Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. All right, welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. I'm the host, Rifty Ricky the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Etdog VP Etridge. I'm up and about, mate. The Blue Boys are on the board. We're on the board, mate. We got the win. We travelled all the way down to that shitty place in Geelong, and we just knocked over Geelong, mate. And uh, I was just listening back to the intro of uh, our last one where you picked the Bombers to still be undefeated, mate. And what's the matter? Technically correct. Technically, I am correct. But um, I'll tell you what, mate. I actually probably preferred life when there was no sport going on. I didn't have to deal with my EPL team, Arsenal, just being absolute garbage. I didn't need to deal with people giving it to SNN for trying to ruin another season. It's just a bit dejected this morning. I mean, the Bombers, yes, are still undefeated. But, uh, yeah, just a bit dejected over the weekend with everything that's happening. So, Well, I'll give you some good news. And by, by the time this comes out, hopefully it is good news for Bombers. I just read an article that there could possibly, there could possibly be a false positive test on old Connor McKenna. So he uh, might not have the uh, COVID after all. I wouldn't be surprised, mate. But um, one thing I've actually have been quite disappointed with, with the media and everything like that, is that uh, COVID-19 is actually a, quite a serious thing. Like, there's actually a deadly, deadly virus, a disease. And it's sort of been treated a little bit like a joke, and which I can understand why people are doing that. But we live in a world now where these things need to be taken seriously. I think some people... But, mate, mate, haven't you heard? It's not COVID at all. It's 5G towers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and see, uh, it's, uh, between the 5G towers, mate, and protests, it's bound to happen, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, come on. You, you, you've told me once not to get political on you. So. I'm but, not getting um, political, mate. I'm just pointing out that uh, that's <clears throat> least of our worries at the moment. But anyway, mate, a right, tip. How do we go? Yeah, well, before we get in around four tips and give those, I'll give you a wrap up. We all, we both backed the same teams, and unfortunately, we didn't do too well. We both, we got four out of the uh, what nine games, so eight. Oh yeah, eight games, considering one's uh, one's postponed. So um, yeah, not a great, great result. But uh, so you're leading nine to eight at the moment after you know getting five of round two. So. Let's get into it. Round four. Who we got? What do we got right. first up? All right, mate. We've got uh, Sydney and the Doggies Thursday night at the SCG. Oh, they're both, both up and about. All right, I'm going to go Sydney. 
Ooh, I'm going to go doggies for this one, just as a bit of a mix-up. Um, and Friday at Giant Stadium, we have the Giants versus Collingwood. Uh, got to go the Pies. I'm going to go... Oh. Yeah, I'm going to go the Pies for that one as well. I'm tempted to you know, lean towards the Giants, but just can't do it. Uh, they have looked absolutely woeful. But hey, mate, every time, ta- season, so. every round this season, mate, the team that's looked absolutely hopeless the week before has come out and done well the next week. So, yeah. Uh, uh, Saturday at Metricon Stadium, so neutral venue, Port versus West Coast. Oh, I'm going to go Port, they're flying. Oh, I'm going to go West Coast for this one. Well, you reckon they're going to bounce yeah, back? I reckon they'll bounce on. back. The weather up there should be a bit more of their, uh, their climate. So. Um, and then we've got St. Kilda and Richmond at Marvel Stadium. I'll go to the Tigers. Yeah, I'm sure the Tigers will be back up and about. Uh, and then if it goes ahead, uh, MCG, I don't think this is a pretty obvious answer, pretty obvious tip, these ones, but Essendon versus Carlton. Oh, I'll go with the Blues. Yeah, I guess I'll go the Dons on that one if we have a team. Uh, then Metricon Stadium, the my, my boys, the Suns versus Fremantle. I've got to go to the Suns, mate. They're up and about. They're mate, absolutely just, uh... flying. Uh, and then 1 o'clock or 105, up at the Gabba, we've got Brisbane versus Adelaide. Oh, Lions. Easy pick there. Yep. Adelaide In the bag. Oh, this one's going to be a difficult one. 335 at the G, Melbourne versus Geelong. Yeah, well, I'll go the... Uh... The Cats are going to have to bounce back. They're going to get a rocket up after losing to the Blue Boys. I'm going to go to D's for this one. Um, and then wrap the round up, mate. Hawthorne and North Melbourne. I'll go to the Hawks. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go to Hawks as well on that one. So it's that two different tips this week. Yeah, so you've gone Port. Uh, I've gone Port over West Coast and... Cats over... Oh, no, three different. Because I've got the Blues over the Dons. If that game goes ahead this weekend, who knows? Uh, fingers crossed it does. But, uh, mate, where are we off to today? Mate, we're going to um, Vietnam. We're uh, going to chat with four four gentlemen. Um, we've got Jakey Norris, who, who plays for them, and the former Mozzie, Manchester Mozzie. He's uh, affectionately known as the Cobra Cast number one fan to us. Uh, he's been great. Since having him on, uh, he's he's joins us from Adelaide, and then we got Crazy Caro and Mick uh, still over in Vietnam that join us. Yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting. I don't they got over there. The fact that they train and uh, everything out of two different parts of the country, and uh, this were some difficult uh, technical difficulties with this episode a little bit. There's a bit of glitching and everything like that on the Vietnam end. Jakey down in Burra is absolutely perfect, but uh, yeah, the boys in. Vietnam, I think they might have had a few too many uh, cold ones before they jumped on and couldn't quite work out the internet. Yeah, well, they said uh, you know, shark bit the cable or something. So yeah. <laughs> it was it was a Friday. Night. Was was it a Friday night? Did I, miss I feel like I it was Friday. I can't remember, but okay. it was some time, and they were have, enjoying a few quiet ones um, on the on the couch together, and mate, it was a great chat. They uh, all yeah. Uh, one of them's been over there for 20-odd years since uh, they started it all. So enjoy this chat with the Vietnam Swans, and we'll catch you on the next one. It's a pretty small couch.
All right, we're recording now, so I'll just get into it. Um, so, so today we're joined by four gentlemen from uh, the Vietnam Swans. Uh, we've got Mick, uh, Crazy, Caro, Jake. Am I missing any nicknames there? Or? No, good there. All right, sure. uh, so welcome to the CobraCast, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, we appreciate your time and... We're keen to learn a bit about the uh, Vietnam Swans. Um, so, yeah, we've got a few questions. Uh, Mick's going to take the first couple, I see. So, first of all, when was footy first played in Vietnam? Uh, yeah. Um, so, that was back in uh, 1996. There was a, um, uh, a team called the Hanoi Hawks. Oh, actually, sorry. Are we talking starting seventy five? Nineteen sixty six, and then it's crazy. Sixty six Vietnam. Okay, so in our era, this recent era, it's nineteen ninety six. Hanoi Hawks versus Hong Kong Dragons. Yeah, sorry um, guys, your your video is playing up heaps. Okay, are you, are you uh, far from the Wi Fi or something? Like yeah, uh, the shark ate the table. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying. That's not a lie. It's <laughs> dark sometimes eats the cable, so we get bad internet. Oh, How okay. about that? Let me check. We can go upstairs. Mate, you were fine before when we were chatting away, and then as soon as we start bloody trying to record, it's... Uh, <laughs> that happened last night as well, that rift. Let's not yeah, forget that. start freezing. Okay, so... First game, 1996, in the recent era. Uh, Hanoi Hawks versus the Hong Kong Dragons. Um, got written up in the uh, local newspaper called Vietnam News. Um, and it was one of the, the bloodiest games they've seen since the war. Um, it was a bit fiery. Um, it then stopped. It got banned for a couple of years and then in the, came back in the 2000. Um, with the first game... Again, with the Indochina Cup in 2003. All right, so why was there so much bad blood between the two teams? To uh, Well, the, the Hong Kong Dragons were very dirty sort of players back then and uh, hit some of our blokes. And, uh, yeah, it turned out into a, a, you know, Asian footy's not meant to be a bit that competitive, but it turned into a bit of a... a, a, a um, a fight, a very all-in big brawl happened and uh, it got written up in the Vietnam news as such. And, you know, obviously the locals were shocked by the um, physicality that was shown that day. Um, yeah, it just a few balling points took over. One of the blokes, our blokes got knocked out, which is, yeah, it's a little bit controversial back then. But, we've, you know, we've let that go and uh, we've moved on. Yeah. Um, uh, so... And I think rivalry is always good. I think our biggest rivalry now is Malaysian Warriors, but um, we can talk about that a bit later. But I think for for us to get football back in in happening in in Hanoi and Vietnam was very important. Um, and any sort of, of competitive sport which introduces a club aspect for a lot of uh, Australians and uh, expats away from home uh, is probably the main main reason. And we're here for social aspects plus having a kick of the footy so um yeah but we sort of lost our way in 96 came back in 2000 
Um, started the club again under the Vietnam Swans banner. And, uh, um, yeah, it sort of kicked on and moved on from there. Um, but 2003 was our first real tournament when we started playing again. Yeah, nice. Um, so how was the, the club sort of started in the first place? Who, who was involved in starting it and how did it all the Swans come about? Uh, so in the year 2000, obviously, um, with no real organised football club after the Hawks folded, I think they played two games, uh, 96 and 97, and then they had a, uh, it sort of broke up. Um, I arrived in 99, started with a small restaurant here, um, and uh, obviously a lack of no, no football, you know, was a bit of an issue, so... Um, rounded up some like-minded Aussies and, and we just started watching watching football uh, in 2000. The grand final party was always huge, huge event for the Australian community here. And from that, we, we formulated uh, regular watching of football and then we were able to, um, um, yeah, so, very social at the start. 2000, 2001 started then, oh, maybe we should go and have a kick. 2002, then um, moving into 2003. So the biggest in instigator was probably um, at the start was uh, Wayne Tinlin, Justin Hart, um, Patrick Griffiths, uh, who, who's still involved with the club. A lot of them are still involved with the club now. Then you get blokes like Dave Caney who came in and then got us all organised um, from a social club into actually playing. And I think that was the biggest step that we actually we made and, and it started formalising the club. Um, along the lines from uh, a social team, social guys watching football on a TV, to drinking beers, and then to actually playing and training and getting into the uh, Asian Asian uh, league. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why you'd want to go away from the social aspect. That's what I, I play football for the social side. But um, so why did you go with the Swans? Uh, so a bloke called Andy Wall, he came back from. Uh, he was working in Romania. He was the Coca-Cola rep at the time. Um, and he actually had some jumpers from his Romanian days and brought them to Hanoi because he started heading up Coca-Cola. Uh, and they were Swans jumpers. And they were the big woolen ones with the long sleeves. And uh, <laughs> there we are. So we became the Hanoi Swans in the, the first instance. And then uh, later we joined through Phil John's we joined up and made the national team. Um, but, yeah, so it's just through through Andy Wall, who had 16 jumpers, and they were the Swans. I don't imagine they would have been comfortable to play in over there. Yeah, it was tasty. Very tasty. <laughs> yeah. It was hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's just one, one word so for my it. Father's, uh, my father-in-law's a, a, um, a tailor, so I gave him the 16 jumpers. I said... Mate, you got to take these things off. So he took it off, and then he t he turned them into tico's and, and the dog. Did you he? know, <laughs> they're still around somewhere. The sleeves of the jumpers, the actual. I don't know where the jumpers are now, but yeah, they got a bit hot. Oh, I could, could imagine they would be. So one thing I like to know: what's the club song? What is the club song, Terry? Well, it's, it's sung in the tune of the Sydney uh, Swan. Yeah, it is. It's it's just. Exactly the same as the Sydney Swans tune, just with a few changes to the lyrics, from red and white to red, black and white. Um, Jake's probably the best singer 
that you've got on the hook. <laughs> Actually, we've, we've had a pretty good period at the club in the last few years and uh, with a lot of wins, and I, I still actually don't know all the, all the words. Oh, not publicly. No, we wrote it on the back of the stubby hole. It's stubby hole, it's great. Yeah. yeah, well, that's still in Vietnam. <laughs> but we're not going to sing it, but it is on the website, and it's the same. Cheer, cheer, the red, black, and white. Let's see, there we go. <laughs> there it is. You get the keep, keep, keep it going. None of us uh, are Swanee supporters, so it's hard to sing. Uh, uh, and it finishes with honk your horn, doesn't it? Honk, 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 honk. Practice. I'm going to beat you to it, Rifty. I know you're going to get to ask this question, and screw you, I'm beating you to it. So you just mentioned that Jake's you now. The best singer of the bunch. I've been informed that uh, Jake's one of Jake's favourite songs is one of my favourite songs, Horses. <laughs> when, when I was informed of that, I was like, oh, I'm going to let Rifty know that. <laughs> bring it up because uh, Rifty's got some good stories of me singing that song. But uh, I like his like style, mate. Uh, good man, good man. It was one of the better ones. Uh, Big Dazza Braithwaite. Can't yeah, go it was actually my, uh, <laughs> when me and my wife left our wedding, it was the song that I managed to get the one song one of the many songs I got managed to squeeze in there of my music taste. So uh, definitely a keeper then. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> it was it was tough because about the third or fourth uh, song that I requested we had to have, and I managed to get it. So, but now uh, you're I like your style. Who was the last time you sang yeah. it, Jake? The last time I sang it, uh, I was a few deep at the local. I think actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah, three in the morning. So are we talking full-on karaoke styles or just oh, yeah. just oh, yeah. arms around everyone and singing along? But... It's not good. It's not pretty. <laughs> oh, so... He likes to sort of strip at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. So because so we're currently still – my birthday, my 30th was a couple of weeks ago and we're still in isolation at that point. And my wife and Rift did organise a bit of a video montage of you know, my friends and family wishing me a happy 30th. And as it stopped, he's like – it wouldn't be a party without horse by Darrell Braithwaite. So it's gone played, and my mum and my, my wife, my sister were here, and they're like, oh, you're going to turn it off? I was like, fuck no, horses are playing. <laughs> they can stay playing. <laughs> so credit to you, Rifty. I thought I'd beat you to it because I knew you were going to bring it up and try and uh, push me on the bus. Kelly thought he stitched Jake up there, and then obviously not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but ain't, ain't a party without a bit of the horses, so nah, or if you right. leave it either. Yeah, <laughs> every song's a bit much, though, Jake. That dog's not quite a karaoke style, though. He just ah, likes to likes to get the arms around the boys and yeah. just screaming as loud as they can. And um, it, uh, you know, there, there was a period in time where uh, Jorge, was it Jorge Exotic, Joshy Herford, whatever horse would come on, he'd be on my shoulders and we'd be banging it as loud as we could. It's at the races, though. Yeah, I think there's a video yeah. doing the rounds uh, at your wedding, Caro. With me, with uh, your young nephew on my shoulders, banging out the horses, actually. He's still scarred, mate, so we don't talk about <laughs> Never recover that boy. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's set up for success, that's all right. But um, how, how, have you, how many players do you guys have at the club uh, um, compared to when you first started? And how many of them are sort of Nashos? Oh, I don't know, you uh, it, it fluctuates dramatically across the club. So some, some weeks we can get 
in Hanoi, 24 to 30 longer training. Some weeks there's 10 down in the south and Saigon, they're at a similar boat. Sometimes they'll have 20 to 30 as well. Uh, and that's across the boys and the girls teams. Um, it's just, it's, it's very hard. They're, they prefer to go on footy tours and they do the train in this part of the world for some reason. I think the, the lure of Manila and Bangkok. Well, the pre-season is long, though. It is a long pre-season. Yeah, late pre-season. Um, and it ebbs and flows. It's pretty nomadic. People come in and come out. Yeah. So you kind of... We've, um, we've probably got anywhere from sort of eight to 15 local players involved with the club at any one time. Um, just to be good to get them all there together. Last year, we had the first all-Vietnamese team at our AFLX tournament. So we probably had maybe 16 to 20 Viet kids involved there. Yeah, well, see, AFLX, right. I know Australia, a lot of the AFL lovers in Australia bag the shit out of it. But for us, AFLX is an absolute winner. Yeah. yeah. You know, the size and the, and the, 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 the actual soccer pitch of the square field. Yeah, it's what you guys have been playing for years. We need it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I think it was an enjoyable game to watch and a, a little bit different. And uh, it's a shame they didn't sort of bring a bit of the international f- um, sort of feel to it and promote the international games that are going on in Asia and Europe and stuff that are playing that style of game yeah. when they did the AFLX. So I'll sit there rifting and say, when AFLX first came out, I was watching I'm like, this is fucking horseshit. But then after doing this, um, <laughs> this, doing this series, talking to clubs all over the world, I actually now have a bit more appreciation for it. I think Richie's right. I think if it had been a bit of more of the international showcase to it and not just AFL players trying to make big bucks for a one-night thing and make it Mickey Mouse, it actually could have had some merit to it and helped clubs all around the world with that format takeoff in Australia. Club, club football. Yeah, yeah, I think professionals yeah. into on that size field for professional players, it does look like your mouse. But when you're developing a game in Asia where you've got people that are new to the game, it, it helps them be involved from the start of the game. And, and we don't play nine aside. We'll probably play 12 aside on that size field with the, the locals. Yep. Yeah, no, I've, definitely, I've gone back and watched um, a few Asian clubs, a few European clubs, and even American clubs when they have their, they're called social games, and it's nine to 12 aside. And it's actually good to watch it's it's fun to watch where when i was watching aflx you watch bikes that have, can kick all 70 meters and bang it's there it's like no yeah. but yeah you go back and watch the local uh local game playing it on that field it's actually really really enjoyable and a good game yeah i'm sure uh, we we actually had quite a few vietnamese guys that played for us when i first came to the club and i was actually surprised when i came to the club that we had you know so, such a vietnamese uh, presence at our club we probably had Oh, at least four of our best players were Vietnamese. So uh, they've obviously grown up playing Aussie rules over here. They've lived their whole lives over here. But, mate, they were quick, they were fast. And if you can get some of those boys over there. that There's a Facebook page, uh, Springvale Viet Oz Footballers. Um, there's a lot of players I grew up in Springvale had a big Vietnamese yeah. contingent. There's a, a Vietnamese man who who's uplifted through the Vietnam War. He's played over 300 games in the country of Victoria now. Uh, he plays for the Roadrunners. I'm not sure what club that is, but um, yeah, he, he's, he loves the game. He's playing over to Vietnam, playing with the boys and wants to play for Vietnam in our next Anzac Day game. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, we're actually, uh, what, 
pretty much in Springvale, basically where our club is. So Springvale North, yeah, cool suburb. That's why we uh, had so many Vietnamese, and like I said, I think two or three of them had won league BNFs and everything, so they were very, very handy players. That's for sure. Some good players out there. Well, you go back to the end of the day, and the actual club, are we doing, we're going to get into Antec Day. Oh, I'll just, just get stuck into it now, fellas. So, um, you mentioned Anzac Day, and I've done a bit of research, and Anzac Day is probably arguably one of the biggest days on the actual, not just the calendar for Vietnam Swans, but the entire AFL Asia. So, like, what is it, and how did it all come about, and all that stuff about it? Well, it's kind of the sort of two parts, really, but it started probably, I think it's 2009, where the Swans went over to. Uh, Kanchena Brewery in, in, in Thailand, the Bridge of the Pike, where, where Thailand have um, their sort of Anzac Day game that they've been doing for sort of however long. And then, uh, and then we sort of leveraged off that and, start, and started it in, um, in Phung Tho, which is sort of just south of, of Saigon, which is where, where, the, where the vets um, were posted uh, during the war. So sort of Nick was saying before, sort of the start of the Swans were at sort of 96 to 2000, but there was already a league in, in Phung Tho between 67, 71? Yeah, 1966 and 72. Yeah, so 66, 72 there. So, um, so they, they'd played, they'd sort of played for four or five years of the war. And then, and then uh, we were sort of lucky enough to get the same ground, the Lord Mayor's Oval in Phung Tho uh, on the coast there and play on the same ground that the vets had played there However, however many years ago. So from sort of 2010, we played an inter-club game and then that moved on to 2011. I think it was the Dragons were the first uh, international invitation. The China Reds, was it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so they came over um, and then we also got a connection with um, Stan Middleton, who was, uh, who was this uh, historian and, and did play, and was a vet for, from Hong Kong Tower. So we sort of built that up um, over, over a few years. Stan and, and a few other vets came, came across, watched us. Um, we're lucky enough to be involved in the, in the reef laying ceremony, um, which is in Long Tan, uh, which is pretty special because I'm, I think I'm right in saying no other, no other country involved in any of the conflicts uh, in the last 50 or 100 years are able to do sort of any ceremony. Uh, so, so they're allowed the Australian, Australian government and then we sort of are involved in that. Um, and they're sort of gone from there, really. We, we do some work with the, with the orphanage down in Phuong Tower. Um, Stan Middleton and, and, his, and his sort of crew keep coming over and then we just have invitations every... Um, every year, it's just grown and grown. We've got an all-star game, uh, which most of us play in. And then we've got a, uh, a, a women's game. That, so we've got about three games for the day. Which is, yeah, it's really grown pretty, pretty big. So it, it's a fairly, it's, it's probably the biggest thing for the Vietnam Swans. Um, you've got the Asian chance, but the thing the club gets up for is, is Anzac Day to pay our respects to, to all parties that were involved back in, in the Vietnam conflict. Um, throughout the Vietnam War days, there were nine seasons. They played two a year, uh, predominantly dominated by the 2AOB Army Group. Um, but as 
crazy said, every year we, we get between 20 and 40 of the veterans coming back um, who spend a lot of time and effort putting back into the community there at Mukdal. And um, also there's many ex-servicemen living down in Mukdal as well. Very interesting. Um, so it'd be, yeah, it'd be- Four, how many have we won? A few, we're up, we're up, we're up, we're just up. So Hanoi, we Saigon in the first one, 2010. And then I think we won the first three or four. And then I think that, yeah, so, so I think there'd be nine years, I reckon we five, four. Yeah, we drew past one the draw. Yeah. Sorry, what was that, what was that, Jake? I was just saying the last one last year was a draw. Oh, so split uh, the difference there. Yeah. And Japan, Jake. Yeah, not too, not too badly, mate. The old team was pretty good. Uh, we went up against Div One side and went real well. Actually, they they kicked a goal after the siren to tie the score. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, she was a she was a good day. Wasn't from a free kick or something, was it? No, no, no. Was. <laughs> I put us up by a goal with bloody... Surely it was out. <laughs> <laughs> Surely we arranged the umpires. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing there? Should have blown the, blown the buzzer early. Yeah, what was, what was the timekeeper doing? Sleeping on the yeah. job. Exactly well, initially, initially, the scoreboard was wrong as well. We lost, they kicked a goal to, to win by a point and uh, we were all pretty deflated, we were gutted and then um, both the goal umpires came together and it was a draw. They'd missed, the, missed one of our points. So, on the scoreboard, missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Get the right with a pie and a cake. <laughs> so that would have been even worse for the opposition celebrating a win of this close. Oh, they're, they're, they're still claiming that they won unofficially. <laughs> they're still dirty. Yeah. That's it. Someone must have, as well. Someone fixed up the bloody scorecards or something. Well, a few, few slabs of beer, beers paid that night, I reckon, to the to the to the to the, to the go umpires. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned uh, a women's team. How did that come about? So the women's have been sort of floating about since probably go back to 2013 um, when the Gaelic started in Vietnam down in the south, Saigon Gales. And they started off slowly with probably half a dozen to eight, eight players. They were keen for a kick of the round ball that nobody knew about. And then towards the end of 2014, they were quite close to the Vietnam Swans. And so Josh Lee, back in the day, sort of got the two together, the Vietnam Swans, Saigon chapter and the Saigon Gales. And then they started training together, having some mixed games to introduce them for, for football. And then we were lucky enough to have a, a young lady by the name of uh, Mass Scanlon, who was passionate about AFL and then got the first all-women's team together for the 2016 Libergate Asian Champs in Saigon. <laughs> so she was able to get enough girls for a, a full game, 16 aside, um, which then was the first Asian female game of football played all throughout the region. And then in 2018, uh, Chia moved over here from Indonesia and then she pushed forward with a our first official Vietnam Lady Swans team in 2018 and recruited a hybrid of uh, rugby, Gaelic, Australians uh, to play AFL. Um, again, with a mix of people from the North and the South. And, you know, the hard work that she put in paid off and they became the inaugural AFLW champions in 2018. 
Um, and I think we had four teams in 2018, possibly built to five or six in last year. And that's increasing. Um, now we've got the Bali Pink Geckos as well, who are, who are now there with the AFLW. So the AFLW is, is growing rapidly throughout the region. So, uh, you know, it's on the back of the hard work of a couple of the ladies who have been passionate within the region, Chia being one of them, that have sort of helped the game to grow it and build the club. Yeah, no, it's fan. Go ahead, Rift. No, you go. Oh, you're right. You go. Go, go. <laughs> um, we're hearing a lot about a lot of clubs around the world and their uh, women's football really taking off. And we spoke to the boys from Bali the other week and they were talking about how the, the Pink Geckos were just up and about. Then like things like last year they'd started. So it's good to see that uh, women's football is really you know, taking massive steps and has been for a long time overseas. Um, so you mentioned earlier about... Know, the nine aside and oh, sorry, twelve aside and playing on soccer grounds and rugby grounds. So whereabouts do you guys actually train and play? Oh, look, <laughs> that's we're not committed to any one venue. I was going to say I'm, I'm quite concerned now because all four of you had a bit of a chuckle, a bit of a laugh in your face, like a bit of a <laughs> bit of a grin and a bit of a chuckle, and Jake and crazy you know, a bit of a laugh. So I'm quite. A, I'm... There's not much grass in Hanoi. <laughs> dead cat stadium. Well, we can start with we can dead cat stadium. Uh, so obviously we found a bit of bit of an oval, and yeah, the first time we rolled up, there was a few dead cats. Written. So we came dead cat stadium. So uh, we cleared the dead cats off, and uh, yeah, we just, we can we we're very adaptable. So we can uh, yeah, we all we need is to be able to kick the ball. So. It's a lot of astroturf, not much grass, not much grass. So that's that's probably where we where we're at. We don't play. We play. Um, on grass. On grass, but, but a lot of our trainings are on AstroTurf. I think it's pretty, we're a pretty unique club because we've got two cities. We've got Saigon and Hanoi, which is separated by uh, two, two and a half thousand kilometres. And we, we're actually one club. Um, so it, as a president, it probably brings up a few unique um, situations. Uh, they're more dedicated in the South Mid to where they train because they train at a private school that has a very beautiful grass oval. Yeah. Um, in the North, we're not so fortunate. So yeah. we... RMIT. Uh, yeah, RMIT, they train it in Melbourne. Um, so sorry, Saigon. in Saigon, Melbourne-based university that's got a campus in Saigon. In the North, I think Jake and I probably, and, and, well, crazy not so much, he's, he's more on the off-field pursuits nowadays, but... Um, in the north, Jake and I have probably trained at 15 venues in the last two years. Jake, would that be fair? Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd say 15, possibly more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Home ground is not really that. Yeah. <laughs> so so we in the fact that you guys were in two completely different parts of the country, like for, uh, for a coaching position, like how does that work? How difficult is that for game plan? set up some that type of stuff. And also as a president, how the hell do you work out logistics or everything when you've got to try and work out two like it's hard enough to get bloody blokes to rock up twenty minutes down the road on time, let alone having, you know, two completely different parts of the country trying to rock up somewhere at the same time. So we're even better than that because our, our head coach for the men is currently based in Taiwan and our head coach for the women <laughs> is currently stranded in Australia. So we're we're going quite well. We're global. <laughs> we're going global. <laughs> Global and trending. So we, we do Zoom <laughs> trainings at the beer hall. Um, but yeah, it is difficult, uh, I suppose. We've got leadership groups for both the men and the women, and, and the coaches talk to the leadership group in the north to find out what's going on up here. Um, so that Jake's part of that leadership group. He'll be telling them who's training, who's training well, 
you know, positional play for them. And Rod's a very good communicator, as is here with the women. So we're probably in, in a good position that we've got two good communicators heading up both the men's and the women's uh, programs in the coaching panel. Yeah, we're quite we're quite lucky there that with with Rocket, even though he's he had to move to Taiwan, um, he he sort of um, put forward how he wanted the structure we wanted to play with a, a couple of years ago, and we've stuck to that um, and just been building as a club ever since, um, especially on the men's side of things. And um, we had you know a few of the boys. Crazy was coaching up in the north. I've been coaching up in the north. Caro has, um, uh, and then down in the south with. Um, with Rocket, our coach, um, being in Taiwan. We've got a couple of boys that have been there for a long time. Um, boy, Billy Krang, he's been there for, well, he's been there 10 years now and he, he'll help take the training and things like that. So there's a, a set structure that's always um, always there for all the players to uh, sort of follow. Um, and then we just uh, pass, back the, uh, pass feedback on to uh, Rocket um, with who should be playing and um, uh, Rocket, Rocket, Rocket picks the team, um, and then Carol and I. Um, well, last year I've, I've, I'm not coaching up in the north anymore, but um, Carol and I will sort of um, pass on to Rocket who we think should be, uh, who's training at, who's coming to every training and putting their hand up uh, and helping around the club so on the social side of things as well. Um, and then they, and then Rocket will take it from there and pick his what he thinks is. Uh, side that he wants to go with, yeah. I suppose the difference here in Vietnam, it's not about being the best player, it's about also those that are committed and, and training every week and helping the club out. So, you know, we've had some better players that haven't been picked because they haven't been training and, and, and just turning up for tours. And we sort of shame the culture of the club that, you know, it's not all about winning on the field. Sometimes it's about building that culture of the club and having blokes helping out and people being on the training track. We sort of, sort of, that came to that crossroads, didn't we, Carol? In, I guess in 2016, and then uh, from yeah, from then on, we've uh, it's 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 been instead of having people, because a lot of Asian clubs have uh, players that they played in the a tournament a year ago at the Asian Champs, so they're eligible to play at the next Asian Champs, and uh, we we did that, we uh, we allowed that one year, and it uh, and it just wasn't fair on other blokes um, that are committed to the committed to the club and training every week or putting their hand up on the social side of things, even though they might not be the most skillful footballer or they, but they're there every week um, committed to the club. So for, from that standpoint, we decided that uh, um, we wouldn't allow that anymore and um, would go with the players that are just the, the, the people around the club that are helping out every week. And it's, uh, it's really helped our, uh, our on-field on performance actually, um, culminating in a, in a lot of success in the past couple of years. No, that's good. I think it's important to build the right culture around clubs. And um, like you said, when guys aren't aren't showing the commitment, you know, they, they just want to go on the fancy trips to all these exotic places, which I'm sure um, you're going to have a few of our boys jumping ship to get over there to go on some of these trips once they start hearing about the fun times. I've, I've come to the fact, the conclusion, Rifty, after doing these, that we're just going to be podcast, podcast, podcast hosts from now on. That's going to be a club for us to run with all our blokes pissing off overseas. <laughs> well, boys, yeah. you're, welcome, you're welcome over any time. Get the footy trip over there or whatever. Uh, like I've said to many of the Asian countries we spoke to, um, I don't know if our guys would make it to a game. They'd, uh, 
yeah, I think a few of them would end up locked up and probably never see the light of day again. <laughs> no, no, we just, we just have to work it pretty much the day that we arrive in in that first three hours of the game, and then we're good. Yeah. yeah. The the one time the boys did a overseas footy trip, uh, it was the first and last time because it ended up with uh, AFL investigating things, and I won't get into it. But yeah, it's um, we've we've stuck we've stuck closer to home from then on. <laughs> the, the, the boys, the boys, pretty much done what most blokes do on a footy trip, and it just so happened that someone that didn't understand footy trips was there and wasn't happy with it. All oh, right, <laughs> oh, hey, not sure we're going there, but anyway, that's why someone was there. Yeah, when by someone not there, it wasn't some one of our players. It was someone in the resort. But yeah, we'll explain after. But oh, cut yeah. that bit out, Rifty, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cut the recording and we'll explain. But um, twenty Yeah, we spoke about that with someone uh, recently, um, actually from um, Philippines, I think. Yeah, the Philippines. Uh, with uh, yeah, a little bit of jumping over there, and like we said to him, it's years ago we, we spoke to the guys from Bali Geckos, and Hinchu from the Geckos was saying, you know. 09, 08, he had guys from Geelong come down and they all yeah. had jumped in and had a kick and nobody ever knew anything about it because not everyone had a bloody camera phone that they could just yeah. chuck it straight on social media. And Indeed. It was, yeah. really, it, was quite, it was quite good pub, publicity for our club having Liber and, and uh, Dowhouse, Lukey Dowhouse over. Um, they they, they uh, misreported it in, in Australia. Like, they put the big banner up and... Um, was it 100 great games for the Western Bulldogs and one outstanding game for the Vietnam Swans? He never actually played for us. He played <laughs> for the now, but uh, we... we yeah. That's the Australian. That's, that's all right. At least it gave you some uh, extra coverage. And we couldn't, he, could, he, couldn't make the, he couldn't make the first 16 for our side. Well, that's from that year, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I said, you only... Think- I said he couldn't make any first 16. <laughs> The worst thing he did over there was that haircut he got. So yeah, that, that was his little muck. Yeah, that was the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of sort of tournaments and stuff, how have you guys fared in the other tournaments? I know you, you, the Anzac Day is the one you hold dear, but what about the Indo Cups and Asian Champs and stuff like that? How have you gone in those? Well. Um, I can only speak for the last few years. I've only been I've been at the club for the last th- uh, three or so years, um, but uh, we we we've won the last three Indochina Cups, which uh, so that involves uh, ourselves, Thailand, Laos, Myanmar, and Cambodia. Um, so we we've won three in a row there. Uh, one on home soil up in Hanoi, um, then one in Cambodia, and then the last one in Thailand. Um, so we're going for the four peat this year. Which was going to be in Laos. Um, I think we can. I think by default and having the season, uh, having that competition ruined this year, I think we get our name engraved on the cup again. So that's four in a row. Uh, that's fair, isn't it? Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah, we've done real well there. Um, and then the Asian champs, like uh, Caro was saying, it's the it's the precipice um, in for club uh, club uh, well tournament football. Um, and last year um, we we. Finally uh, got to taste uh, the ultimate glory and we won the Division 2 champs, um, which was probably the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, tournament win we've ever had. 
Um, and that carried on from the women having won it the year previously and in an inaugural year. So um, the last two years, we've uh, had a really good time of it in, um, in tournament football. We've won seven of the last 10 Indochina Cups, and after this year, yeah, bloody hell. Uh, <clears throat> just noticed uh, what jacket you got on there, Jake. Uh, mate, that's I got me, me, well, me Vietnam Swans polo, mate, and then the Manchester Mozzies jacket over the top. So, uh, you seem to be able to be a successful club from the sounds of it. Yeah, mate, it's been a, it's been a, a good few years playing footy overseas. Uh, I won, what I, I won three, three flags with the Mozzies and then went over. Oi. Oh, we've lost him. That's a shame. He's just about to get on to himself. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the brother of the famous Bud from the Manchester Mozzies. Bud, who has no game on, on the on the turfs. I, I watched your podcast the other oh, day. Oh, Bud, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're throwing up darts to the board, you're bound to hit something. Ah, uh, okay. So okay, Jake's, yep. Yeah, yep, yep. Sweet, yep. He was the same in Vietnam too, Bud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Not Jake. But not not Jake. We've lost him. He was uh, just about to go through past glories. That's Adelaide Flint. We we've all heard him. He's on the board. He's on the board band. In the They've run out of electricity. He's probably trying to find his medals to bring him to show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a cracker. But the bringings to the Asian champs have stopped that. The, the the change of time basically stopped it. So moving into August because um, we couldn't get the venue at the end of the year, stopped all of those guys coming over who just come off um, full country seasons. I think the worst case was Lau in 2016. They had two brothers that just played in the Waffle Grand Final playing in their team. Um, you know, they didn't help them, they didn't pick up. But they had 100% of the ball. These two guys were more interested in the um, what Saigon could offer after the football rather than what it could offer during the Played pretty well, though. They did play well. They, they were classy. And you can pick the class difference, too, from guys that have played a full season, you know, in Australia and, and to amateur guys training maybe for two hours a week, having a kick of the footy and maybe getting five or six games in a year. Yeah, we've, we've heard that around the world, that a lot of the more successful clubs, like, in their main region is... Um... Milk and bread. Oh, there we go. Doing well there, buddy. Me. You're shrunk. You've got smaller, haven't I? <laughs> I wouldn't want to get much smaller, Jake. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, boys. Um, no, you're up, mate. You're up. You don't know what happened there. Uh, oh. What do we do? We just start ask that question again just for the flow of it or? Uh, mate, just let him get back in uh, talking about his former glory. Right? All right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and under eight. Been a uh, yeah, successful uh, few, uh, few years at the Mozzies there. I, was, I lived there for four years, won three flags, I lost one. Um, and they've obviously gone on to win another uh, four, since I, four since I've left, I think. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty good uh, winning culture there. And then, um, yeah, it's just flowed into being at the Vietnam Swans and we had a real good couple of years. So, been, uh, been bloody good. Yeah, there was one thing that I know we picked up with our chat with the blokes from Manchester was the fact that they're so successful because they have such a core group of uh, Englishmen and don't rely on the outsiders coming in. And from the sounds of it, it's the same at Vietnam. You, you build a core group of locals and people that are always there and don't worry about having these fly-in, fly-outs come the whole time. 
which is fantastic. But the other thing that uh, I'd forgotten about and was alluded to when you'd uh, fallen offline for two seconds was that you're the brother of the, uh, the, the famous <laughs> bud from Manchester that you throw enough darts yeah. at the board, you're guaranteed to hit one of them. <laughs> mate, that's it. That's it, mate. He, uh, he, uh, well, he, he, he talks the talk, but he, can, he could walk the walk in Manchester. Uh, he hit the dartboard wherever, where, and didn't matter where it hit. He, he was <laughs> there. Uh, no, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he likes, he likes to let people know about it too. Um, yeah, so he, 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 he tried to bring that uh, form into on tour to, on tour with the Swannies. He came over for a game, but. Uh, uh, he threw a few darts as well, but they mostly missed there. So, yeah. Well, you've got to you know, throw as many darts at the board. You're guaranteed it one. Doesn't maybe go on for that, that one or that triple 20, I guess. That's it. But, um, yeah, so just a detour a little bit. So, how did you end up in Manchester and then Vietnam? Because obviously you're from just outside of Adelaide. So, that's a bit of a difference, you know, different in yeah, climate um, and everything like that. Yeah, well, so I've... I got a British passport. My dad's dad was born in England, um, so I wanted to go over to over to England, do a bit of travelling. Um, big, I'm a big uh, Liverpool fan, so I wanted to get over. Oh there. no, I'm fucking out. See you. Gunners fan. No, I wanted to get over there, watch a bit of football, um, and then I just uh, uh, having a passport there, I was allowed to stay there for as long as I wanted. So I bloody found a footy club and um, got involved and. Yeah, and then I met my my partner there, and uh, she she wanted to go and teach English in China, and uh, so we set off on our way with the initial target being um, Beijing or Shanghai, and uh, we we got to Vietnam and just bloody decided yeah Vietnam was a place to be, so and Hanoi specifically, so yeah, bloody fell in love with it there, and um, was there for a year, left to go home and. With always, I told Carol and Crazy and Mick that I was always coming back. So, um, took a year away from Vietnam and then to see me folks back in Australia and yeah, been in Vietnam ever since. Yeah, lovely. So, first thing, Rifty, again, another bloke that's gone across the world to watch the round ball. Just yeah. he constantly likes to give me shit about my love of the round ball, and any time I fall into talking about it with bikes, he sits there and starts cracking the shit. So, another oh. one, Rifty. Well, I ask our Jake here what he thinks about Liverpool getting the trophy. If there's they haven't got the trophy, mate. They, they, they came out today right. and said um, that they're playing games, and myself and our good runner Dinger have already had a discussion about this. It's a load of shit, and it should be cold off, and Liverpool should not get the championship. <laughs> well, aren't we go again? What three weeks now? So, seventeenth um, of June, they'll kick off with Arsenal City. Um, hopefully, hopefully your your mob can do as a do as a favour there, because then we can beat. Everton, uh, probably at Old Trafford or the Etihad, and we'll lift the trophy. It'll be yeah, I've, never been so justice, I've never been so conflicted in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 hate, I hate City with a passion, but <laughs> Arsenal, shit. So. Well, it, was, it was already over at, New, at New Christmas, New Year's anyway, and buddy, we're 25 points clear, so it's done and yeah, dusted. I think uh, you're what? You're two points off being mathematically fucking confirmed, so. Well, they don't yeah. want to wait for 30 years, do they? <laughs> yeah. I want them to wait another 30 years. Yeah. I don't. I don't need that, mate. I I, I flew to Kiev uh, for Champions League final uh, to watch us lose to Madrid, which was rough enough. And then um, I flew last year to uh, I flew last year to Madrid, which was bloody great. And I was there for that. So that that bloody made up for that. But I'd love to get the hands on the uh, 
Premier League trophy. So that should be taken care of in four four weeks or so. Here, here, here I was going to riff the other day. I'm like, come on, mate. This weekend was banging me out on Friday, Saturday, so I can spend a whole day playing FIFA. And now after the hearing, I don't want to play FIFA. And with that, I've actually forgot the second question I was going to ask off, the, off your answer. <laughs> now, well, we've got to get into the social side of the club. And um, Ed Dog over here has, hasn't liked me asking this question, but I'm going to bloody ask it. Because... All around the world, the one thing everyone loves to do for their social side is have a big grand final day. So, what do you boys do for grand final day over in Vietnam? Well, we we have a uh, a really big function uh, every year. So, both in the north uh, in Hanoi and down south in Saigon. Um, so, we get a core group of people together in the north and south, and um, we uh, we have people doing all the all separate jobs. Um, Caro and crazy always working hard at it um, to organise it. Um, uh, and we have it at, we've been having it at Jasper's the last few years, which is a, um, a big bar restaurant in, um, in the north. I think it's, it's all over. Jasper's is all over the country, is it, Caro? There's one in Saigon. And, uh, there's two in Saigon, sorry. Yeah. yeah, so we have it there and we uh, get, get the streamers up, um, run a few raffles, um, always have a few um, raffle prizes and we uh, raise a lot of funds for um, a couple of uh, charities close, close to our hearts in Vietnam, which is really good. Um, we've been doing that well since we started grand final parties, I think. Um, and yeah, it's just a real good day. You know, four or five hours of free flow beer included in your ticket or beer, cider, wine uh, and basic spirits, uh, a bit of food. Um, yeah, it's just a good club atmosphere. Um, we get a lot of people that are travelling around Asia, uh, around Vietnam at the time, and they come and um, come and take part and buy tickets and watch the game with us. And yeah, it's just a really, really good day and a really, a really good fundraiser for the club and for charities in Vietnam. How many people do you guys get across the country? Probably uh, close to three hundred. Yeah, see it, oh, mate. We had 200 in Saigon last year. We had 100 in Hanoi. <laughs> or 100 in them. You count as three just because of your size. Anyway, <laughs> what it's about is about recognising our sponsors, getting yeah. everyone together. But, you know, we're trying to get outside of the Australian community and, and, and uh, um, getting a lot of international people, obviously Vietnamese as well, um, and just coming together and enjoying the day. Um, but, yeah, it's a, actually the, the starting time is... is Fantastic! So it's eleven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So so it, I, I would think I would think it's twelve o'clock. <laughs> Something we didn't you tell you. Off pretty early. No, no. Something I didn't tell you before we jumped on. I actually fucked up the times tonight. I'm like, oh yeah, six thirty our time, four thirty yeah. Vietnam time. Now seven thirty our time. So we're at six thirty <laughs> waiting for us. I'm like, where are they? Looked at the time. Like, oh shit! Yeah, my bad. Oh, <laughs> well, you're well prepared. But we have had some fantastic sponsors for the club. Yeah. You know, long-term sponsors to keep the club going. Obviously, Mick to my left, um, he, he's been around the club since the day it started and, and uh, has been sponsoring the club as one of our major sponsors of Vietnam Backpack Hostels. And also, Travi, who's another... So, that Mick's a Hall of Fame member for the club and, and Travi Fennell's another Hall of Fame member for the club with Wide Eye Tour. So, you know, they, they've been looking after the club uh, for many a year. And also, we've had many other sponsors, El Fresco's group as well, where we host functions. Well, for 20 years. But, but yeah, they, they, they've never missed a beat yeah. of us. Um, 
20 years all, all, all the way through for, for 20 years uh, Jacko's been on board with the boys at uh, the Vietnam Swans and you know the club's very thankful for that and the boys make sure they get back in there and repay the, the favour particularly now in these hard times you know as soon as the country opens up again we're looking forward to getting into our sponsors and supporting them. Yeah it can be can be very difficult I think like uh, you touched on with the Mozzies the other other night getting getting sponsors that like to commit longer than a year uh, uh, but with the with the Vietnam Swans we've been real lucky with Mick uh, and White uh, Mick and uh, White Eye Tours and the Alfresco group. Yeah it's fantastic like you said it uh, Getting sponsors is hard enough, and keeping it for 20 years is something that uh, everyone would be happy to do. I think, you know, we've had a couple of sponsors that have been on for a few years, but uh, yeah, nothing like 20 years. Um, so that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure you guys do a good job of uh, repaying all your sponsors and, you know, uh, the fact that you use your social side of things to raise funds for charities and stuff like that is another thing that's uh, fantastic and we're learning that a lot of a lot of the clubs in asia uh, especially are doing a lot of great work in their communities and um, it's something that we're probably learning from this so we're starting to you know we need to do a bit more within our communities because uh, you guys are leading the way and we think that that's fantastic it's you know as much as you want to grow the game and do that but it's um to do that community work and help out where you can is um, is admirable, and we take our hats off to you guys. And um, I think it's time now to start oh, throwing. So some... you're not going to rub it in, Rifty? No, no, mate. They've done enough job. They're good enough job. Like, all right, Ed Dog's favourite day of the year, Christmas to him, is Grand Final day. He has it at his joint every year, and so he didn't want me asking a question anymore what these clubs do for Grand Final Day because his Grand Final Day is looking pretty Shit. pretty ordinary in comparison <laughs> to what you guys are doing over there. But I hold quite I hold a big pride in my Grand Final Day. And I said to Rifty after, I think, like a second or third interview before you bloke, I was like, let's just have the club, mate. I don't want it at my house anymore. I can't live up to the, you know, the rest of the world. You could get over and yeah. be one of our guest speakers, I suppose, at one of our Grand Final functions, if you like. What was that? Sorry, I'm hoping to be a guest speaker of the Vietnam Swans Grand Final function. And I, <laughs> yeah, get around that. Free function, free function panelist. It doesn't pay well. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm pretty cheap. Just give me one beer, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem is uh, after a few, a dog gets a little co- incoherent. So. Yeah. I don't know you if you'd be right. much of a much yeah. of a good uh, speaker for a panel. No, no, I'd be good for the panel as long as it's be like a good three hours before the grand final starts. Yeah, maybe yeah, a grand final boys. breakfast. Say <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, still, you know, fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> you definitely enjoy Vietnam Swans grand final party. I'm, I'm I haven't told my wife yet, but you know, <laughs> I'm uh, going to put it on my goal in my life to every year go somewhere else for grand final day. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't have the best grand final in the world, I might as well visit and experience some of these best ones. Um, but before we get into throwing players under the bus, we want to find out about a bit about you guys. The other guys, uh, we've heard all about Jake's playing days, mate. He's just dominated footy in all three different <laughs> countries. Um, but what about the other guys? What, what's been the biggest highlights for you three over there in Vietnam? Oh, um, so I was, I came here 
what, 2008, and then started, I was living with a bunch of Irish guys. One of them who was playing Gaelic and, uh, and then he sort of got me onto, onto the club. So I think I had about two trainings, maybe one or two trainings at Dead Cat Stadium and then went straight into a, an Asian champ in Singapore. Uh, <laughs> I was 21 and uh, it was, so that sort of opened my eyes up to what touring is in, in, in uh, with the Swans. So probably that tournament is, is uh, will go down pretty, um, go down in my books as something pretty special. And then I think, as I said before, the Anzac Day is always, always very special. And then sort of tours, depending on who you're with, as we said before, it's nomadic. Different crew come in throughout, um, you know, throughout, throughout the years. So, so you have different, different games, different tournaments that you sort of, that you sort of remember. Kanchana Brewery in Thailand, I, I do remember as, as one of the good tours as well. And then uh, the Asian Champ is probably the best, I'd suggest. So many players. I mean, you've got five, six hundred players converging on one one ground for a round robin for the day, and then spill, spill, out spilling out, out into wherever the, wherever the hell we are. So that's pretty good. That's um, pretty good. That's a good weekend. And then yeah, the Anzac Day's always always pretty special for the Swans. How about you guys? Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, too many great moments on the field for me, but. Uh, just the, it's all the people that come through, right? So, you know, you got short termers and long termers, and the club is always about the people. And uh, yeah, it's been some cracking people. So, yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to agree. It's um, the games are one thing, but the mates you meet uh, that, that make settling into a new country pretty pretty easy. Mm. I mean, I was here three weeks before I met uh, the big angry giant Teasy. At uh, Republic in the first three weeks, when I came to watch some football, and he said, "Have you played footy before?" They were his first words. I said, "I'm old, fat, and slow." And uh, he goes, "Yep, you'll fit right in." <laughs> the rest is history. Um, and then one night in Saigon uh, at a committee meeting, when he was leaving, he'd nominated me for president, but I was preoccupied on my phone looking at some entertainment for the night, and. Um, <laughs> Next minute, I'm president of the club. Forgot to forgot to not vote for yourself. <laughs> it's kind of how it happens, though, doesn't it? You yeah. just got to get yeah. no one else wants to do it. You do it. <laughs> That's how Rifty got it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on talent. Yeah. <laughs> Off-field talent's different to on-field talent. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, speaking of trips, all right, we just spoke to a club the other day um, from. Colombia, uh, so they're in Bogota, Colombia, um, mate. If you're you're looking for a place to go for a trip, it sounds like yeah, sounds right. like one of the places you got to put on the list. Is that the Bulldogs? The Bogota Bulldogs. Bogota yep. Bulldogs, yeah, yeah. Um, mate, he was sell he was selling it hard to us, and I reckon the Swannies, you, you get all the boys onto that. That wow. they'd love a trip over there for sure. I don't think we'll come back. No. Yeah, if, <laughs> well, he hasn't come back. He. He went there in 2014 for soccer and he, he uh, ended up just staying in Colombia. So uh, wow. he's back. In, he's stuck in Melbourne at the moment in quarantine. But yeah. So yeah, you, you might. I reckon for the first few years, I was touch and go whether I'd go home and back. But the Swannies were, as it goes, people. I mean, we've got what? Jason. I think Jason, the Irish bloke who plays with us, I think he's pretty much on. 
you know, he's he, really the swans. He yeah. just touch and go whether he wants to go home or yeah. do something different. And he goes, he, oh, he, got a good community with the swans. So I think he was he was gone. He was probably going home, like you said, crazy late late last year, I think, and uh, or even mid mid last year. And so Swannies, I think, has kept him here. He but he, he loves it. This is a comrade, the, just that club atmosphere, isn't it? Get that, get that word out, Jason. Yeah, mate. The Illuminati also, so the, the Anzac, oh, the um, Boxing Day test in, uh, at Melbourne, third day, all the Swannies get together. So you've been here, you, you know, what's our saying? Dead. Once a Swanny, always a Swanny. You, know, you die, and then you go and you can leave their yeah. army, you can't leave the Swans. Yeah. <laughs> so we all get together, and we all, third day, Boxing Day test, we all get together and uh, yeah, have, a, have a day out in Melbourne. That sounds yeah. good. Um, yeah, gets together. Good. I think it's time to throw players under the bus, that dog. Oh, my favourite part of the night. <laughs> uh, so, well, I do. I'm going to run through a handful of uh, you know people at your club and whatnot to you know who you think is this person. So we'll go around the room. So we'll start with uh, we'll go crazy. So start from crazy and work our way across through the Jake. So across the the three blokes on the couch and then across the Jake. Um, so who at the Swans would you say is the ladies' man? Or uh, Damo Judd. <laughs> From quite a few years ago, Damo Judd, you wouldn't notice it, but he, you completely don't notice it, but he works well in shadows. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to say there's probably two. I'll have to get the Southern boys in as well. Damo's a Southerner. But the current one is Oscar Silk down there. The only reason we probably have a, a few ladies at the games is because of Oscar. Um, he's good looking. He's a good looking he's rooster. Good. Can play and can play a little bit. Um, and then probably up here, we, we've inherited a new one. Probably uh, the ex-Malaysian captain, James Warland, uh, doesn't <laughs> mind. <laughs> and that's, that is throwing him under the bus. His wife will never see this. But <laughs> he, is, he is the ultimate ladies man. Loves to get his top off. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> he thinks he looks like Johnny Sins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Mick? Anyone else? Mick, back in your day? Yeah, well, don't look at me. <laughs> Come on. What do you mean, my day? I'm fucking still here, man. Yeah, but you're, you're old. <laughs> you're old now. You're, you're two decades ago. <laughs> no, no, no. Different world. No, no, no. You're not trained anyone. No bus. No bus. That's obviously Mick was the lady. Yeah, it was him. Exactly. <laughs> no sick leg coming in. It was him. Oh, what about you, Jakey? Have you got for us? Oh, I reckon our prez, Caro, uh, likes to think he's pretty good with the ladies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. He likes to think he is anyway, but uh, other than that, I, I reckon I reckon the uh, off-field exploits of a lot of the boys leaves a lot to be desired. I reckon they're pretty poor. I reckon they, once they get a few beers in them, they're, 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 they're no good. And this is coming from a bloke whose brother, you know, is, is, is pretty, knows what he's doing. So what I, what I do love about having more than like one person on the show is that when we ask these questions, the faces when people give answers is fantastic, you know. <laughs> Crazy gives an answer. Everyone else's yeah, their facial reaction is just priceless. But um, let's move ahead to the class clown. Oh, Jake, that'd be you, mate. Class clown. 
Surely Jake's the last man in 2020. I'm going with Toddy Donovan. Oh, yeah. I'd be with Toddy Donovan too. Yeah. Sugar bags. Sugar bags. Best nickname going. Oh, very nice. Carol, so is that he told you the story, has he? I'm doing back in the day, or is that back in the day in your day, Nick? Mark Williams? Or really? Mark Williams, Mark Williams. Yeah. He'll watch this too. This is for you, Mark. <laughs> oh. so, so I do have a question, the best nickname, but you've just mentioned Sugar Bags and someone said it's the best nickname. Is that the best nickname? And I want the story behind that name. That's all you, Kero. Pretty easy. Um, so, so one day, Toddy, he's, he's on the... Adelaide Schnitzel Appreciation Group too, just quietly. Uh, explains a bit about where um, these sugar bags are coming from. Likes a fee. Um, so, so one day we saw him, we saw him running around the field from behind and it looked like a couple of wombats were having a fight in a sugar bag. <laughs> so sugar bag stuff. <laughs> he's he's, he's also known for having a, Asia's best fashion sense as well. Yeah. Yeah. But the oh, problem yeah. is in the north, our nicknames change weekly based on what may happen after training at the beer point. <laughs> one of the potholes good one. Hot hole. When I first came here, hot hole. Yeah. Well every club needs a pot hole. And uh this pot hole. That's the nicknames you've got across. Lucky because Every club needs a pothole in there. Or what about Nick? Nick Shields, one of our all-time greats. He had the nickname Big Balls. He walked around just, just with big, he just legs out, legs, strut. just the strut, the big strut, arms out, legs out, big balls. Yeah, Not bad. That's good. There's been a few, and game was all right as well. So what, the Irish lad Jason just gave us a story about his files one day. Oh, he got the nickname Gamer Pile because he came out after a few beers and told everyone about his files. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm so glad I, I added this question in there, Rip. I'll tell you. Oh, shit. What about special victims unit? <laughs> <laughs> tell that story. Oh, oh this for you. You tell whatever you need to tell, yeah. Daniel. Right, yeah. So, 2016 Asian Championships, and we're in a taxi on a on the on the Saturday night after the after the champs, and Eric decides to open the cab door in the middle of in the middle of the street in Saigon, and as you can imagine, there's motorbikes absolutely everywhere, and this young lady has just gone crack straight into the door. Uh, <laughs> uh, that he's just opened. And then commotion ensues. We get out. We sort of help her around. We're all 10 under at least. And then me and oh, was Tracy, was me and Tracy leave. And, and Caro, the gentleman, takes her to, to the hospital, gets her sorted. She's really not that bad. Just maybe cuts and bruises. I don't know. I don't really understand. I wasn't there to be honest, and then um, and then proceeded to look after her after the hospital. Got her name, special victims unit. And that's as far as I'm going. 
Well, that's an open story. Everybody just trying to be a gentleman. gentleman. Just trying to be a gentleman. Yeah. What did I say? Ladies, man. <laughs> just connect the dots and you'll be fine. All right. I'm sure all of you are uh, pretty big party animals, but who's the biggest party animal at the club? Craigan? No, for me in the South, Roy Horgan. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Roy Horgan, who's just gone to Japan in the last couple of years, he, he could. Billy Crane makes, he falls asleep at 10 o'clock at night. He used to not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're all babies compared to Will Martin. Yeah. Will. Bill Martin couldn't back in the day. Although the best bloke for a bender. Will, what about three day bender? Three days. <laughs> I don't call him a three day bender for nothing. <laughs> Not crazy for nothing, is he? So the first, the first, uh, yeah, he mentioned the 2008 Asian Championships. Yeah, Singapore. In Singapore, he proceeded, well, one of our players went for a cigarette and the toilet got arrested. <laughs> it was our first local player that we took over. But Crazy also took one of the, the life jackets. And uh, we obviously, he had it and brought it out at the nightclub that night. <laughs> Wait, I think I let it off. You off. did let it off. I think it was off. Off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've actually we've inherited a couple of girls up north as well to the women's team this year who are, who are major party animals, a couple of saffers. They like to like to get get around the drink. Mark Williams, but, uh, yeah, but. Will Martin. Yeah, there's a few that enjoy a football trip, both boys and girls. I reckon this bloke's hand really. This arms. arms. I reckon sugar bags probably in that in that bracket as well. Sugar bags, is that the? Yeah. <laughs> right, so we probably hear that nickname. Yeah. <laughs> sugar bag. It's um. What about the bloke that just takes the game far too seriously? Oh, he's in Borough at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, Jimmy uh, Bairstow, our communications speak. Um, those two, once they see that white line, um, yeah, there's no helping them. Probably our ex, uh, ex-Canadian fullback as well, Vaughan. Vaughan. Probably was one of our most serious players. And, and possibly yeah. um, Phil Harmon too. Um, yeah. When we play mixed games, he won't even let his daughter get the ball field. So <laughs> he did run through. That's, a, that's fair enough, too. They've got to get their own footy. Yeah, yeah they've got to learn at, at eight. Um, he, uh, he, I reckon he stole one off her in the AFOX uh, on the goal line. She kicked for goal, and I reckon he snagged it. He could have shepherded it through, and he took it about a metre out and kicked it himself. Yeah, <laughs> <over> a handful. <laughs> I, I would sit there and be like, that's disgusting, but... Um, uh, as this comes out, my wife has probably either just given birth or not far off giving birth. And I've made jokes with her. She, you know, I want to be a girl. You know, you might get into footy or soccer. And I've made jokes that uh, she ain't getting anything easy in her life. We're playing soccer at the back. She's getting bloody two-footed studs up. So, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't sit there. You've got to make a point. I can't sit there and say it's terrible parenting and that bloke because I agree with him. Not <laughs> everyone gets bored. Good way to learn. You didn't get any awards, mate? Not even the participation award? Three sisters. Got the annual year award. All right. So which two blokes at your club have got the biggest bromance? And for oh, this one, for this one, actually, I want a set from up north and a set from down south. Okay. Oh, I've got the easy one for the north. What's that? I don't know. Keezy and Ben Carpenter. 
Oh, yeah. As soon as Keezy left Vietnam, Ben Carpenter went missing and eventually left the country. He was in mourning over Keezy's departure. They had a basketball a, They had a big bromance. They had a lot of bromances. Um, I was going to dro name drop you, Caro, there and, and Mark Tierney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good eat, Jake. Look at Caro, no, if you watch that, right, you watch that back, right, as Jake said that, Caro's just gone, yeah, you're right, <laughs> <laughs> just started staring into the, just gazing away. I'm working for the translator because sometimes I can't understand it. Um, <laughs> in the South, who'd have the biggest bromance? I reckon there's, yeah. there's a love triangle going on on that couch there, it does look like a bit, I, I like didn't you're sitting on the Sitting on a casting couch there or something, and he's in the ski suit. I've done, I've done worse. <laughs> I reckon from the south, I'm going with um, uh, Uncle Gus and Charmax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Gus and Charmax enjoy each other's company at uh, some of the establishments in uh, in Oregon. I think, I think, uh, wasn't uh, was it Nitty and Nitty and Gareth were pretty, pretty. Pretty close there for a bit, weren't they, as well? Very tight. Like what about you and Shana? You and Shana like each other. Here we go, right? You, really <laughs> like you and that dancing pole. <laughs> so Kero's in the middle of a few. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's got some love triangles going yeah, on. He's he's... All, all to the, I prefer cross-country skiing. Daniel skiing. Did he jump in the ballad? <laughs> Oh, I think it's I think it's uh, good good oh, enough time to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> before we do finish up, you want to hit us with a bit of uh, horses, mate? Before we go, that's you, Jake. Just oh, Jake, it, Jake and Ed Dog, take it away. Jake away from the front, mate. I get a lot. I get a lot of uh, strife for this because I I sing this quite a lot. I sing it. To, I sang it. I sang it. Uh, at, at Caro's wedding as well, a uh, bit of a rendition for his uh, for his for his wife. Um, she seemed to enjoy it. I think Caro actually enjoyed it a bit more than her. But um, I only know the chorus. When I sing the chorus as well, it's 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 not too well. Um, <laughs> We've we got the music in the background. We can just get it on. <laughs> Mate, you've probably got videos of it on your phone right now. I've got plenty of videos on my phone. It's taking a while to get it <laughs> Oh, hey. I'll leave that one out of it, out of it I reckon. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm glad we were able to get the times right and get Shut you guys up. on. Um, <laughs> But where can everyone go? Follow along with uh, the Swannies and, and, you know, possibly hit you guys up if they're going to head over to Vietnam once all the lockdown's over. Yeah, we've got a couple of Facebook pages, the Vietnam Swans. Um, you can also get on to the website, thevietnamswans.com. Um, get in touch with us through there and then we can put you in touch with the, the girls' team in the south or the boys' team and, and up in the north. Yeah, lovely, mate. Uh, Coming over, we can help you out too with plenty of accommodation and tours of the country as well. So we can put you in touch with our contacts that can look after you from the uh, the, the, the moment you land, whether you're um, coming over as a family with wide-eyed tours or whether you're coming over with a group of 
boys that want to experience what the uh, the old buffalo run in the Vietnam backpackers can offer you. Sounds great. We'll uh, definitely share all links and uh, you know we might grab links to those uh, companies as well to to put up and. I'm sure there's going to be uh, plenty of people. I know, like I said, we had some Vietnamese boys that played footy with us and they uh, they go over every couple of years to see family and stuff. So I'll have to, go, to go, go, go down for a kick with the Swannies when they're there. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Ethel? I just want to thank the four of you for joining us. Uh, shout out to you, Jake. You're the one that set this up, reaching out um, on, from watching the Manchester one. So it's nice to know that you're watching it and, um, being the fact that you did have a connection with Manchester, you know, thank you for reaching out and getting this set up. Uh, because you're closest to home, when we get into our rooms, we'll get a polo shirt or something, send it across to uh, Adelaide. We don't need to pay the postage out to Vietnam. So you can take that back with you to the boys. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> we'll take you through the Swannies move too. Um, we'll send it to Saigon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can come over and pick it up. <laughs> But uh, thank you, fellas, for joining us. Um, as Riff said, we got the times right. That's my bad. Um, all it's done is just made me a bit more hydrated. That's all it's done. So, um, but yeah, thanks, fellas. And you know, said, we'll share all your socials and your sponsors and everything like that. But yeah, that's all, all for me. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers for having us. Uh, pleasure. Uh, take care. Hopefully, you guys get some games later this year and get Asian champs next year and maybe go back to back and. Win another Anzac Day game next year as well. Thanks. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra Cast with the present VP.